This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Well, this is this is the first time since September, I think, that I've not been preaching at a computer screen. So I am super thankful to be in person. Um, let's let's open up to our our second reading. As Sarah shared, we're going through a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew chapter 5. So open up to chapter 5. We're going to be reading through what many of us know as the Beatitudes, which is 5 chapter 3, or sorry, 5 verses 3 through 12. This is what Jesus says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that in your grace and in your mercy and in your compassion toward us, that you would send your spirit among us to open up our eyes, to open our ears, um, to open our hearts up to this very surprising, um, provocative, but good invitation into the good life that you offer us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see if my this all stays open in the wind. When, when I was in seminary, I, I took on a small job to help with the family finances, and I was a landscaper for um, a woman, um, a woman who was retired a widow who lived on her own in this beautiful home that was perched right on the cliffs in Manchester by the sea and looked out over the Atlantic Ocean down the coastline. Um, and after some time, her and I, we, we developed a, a, a good bond together. And I still remember we were, we were standing on her deck. We were looking out at the ocean, looking down the coastline at all these beautiful homes along the water, much like her own. And I, I've never forgotten this question that she asked me. Um, I haven't forgotten it because I had started to kind of idolize 
those homes and what I imagined were the lives lived within those beautiful homes along the coast. And she asked me, she said, Tyler, why are all my friends? And as she's talking about her friends, she, she knew many of the people in these homes. She said, why are all my friends seeing shrinks on antidepressants and totally dissatisfied with their lives? Why are so many of my friends so dissatisfied with their lives? They were, the, these friends, that, apart from having uh, all that they wanted, and even more, they were dissatisfied with their lives. They, they, were, they were dissatisfied with the way things were. They, they wanted something more. They wanted something better for their lives. They wanted the good life. And that's what we're talking about in the sermon series. We're talking about the good life. What is this good life? The, the Sermon on the Mount, chapters Matthew chapters 5 through 7, it lays out God's vision for the good life for us, for, for a flourishing life, for a happy life, in the deepest sense of the word of happiness, for this good, flourishing life. And at the very beginning, we have the Beatitudes. And in Beatitudes, it's just... It's the Latin word for blessed or for happy. Um, and at the beginning, what, what we get of this vision of the good and flourishing life, it doesn't, Jesus doesn't start with our circumstances or our situation. The, the beginning of the good life, as Jesus describes it in the Beatitudes, it's about our relationships. It's, it's, it's also about us in those relationships. It's who we are as people. The Beatitude starts with who are we as people? What are the characteristics of our lives? What are the qualities of our character? And not just as individuals, but it's about who are we in relationship. In relationship with one another and in relationship with God. This, this vision that Jesus lays out of the flourishing life, the flourishing life, it begins in good relationships. Good relationship with God and with each other. And what we're going to be looking at is this, this relationship with God that is the center of flourishing, the center of the good life. It starts with humble relationships before God humble relationships before God, and then, second, compassionate relationships with each other. Lives of humility and compassion. In some ways, it's very simple, very challenging, but lives of humility and compassion, that's the, the seedbed um, of the good life that Jesus lays out for us. So we're going to start with looking at humble relationships before God. The good life, the, the flourishing life that Jesus lays out for us here, that find their center in humble, a humble relationship before God. Now, humility, what is humility? In many ways, it's a simple, uh, sober, honest, realistic view of ourselves. A realistic, honest view of ourselves. Not 
overly self-deprecating, exaggerating our faults, but not hiding them or covering over them either. It's a, it's a sober, honest view of ourselves. It's like those, those, pe- those mentors and friends in our lives who have been walking with Jesus for decades and decades and decades, and those people who are, they're quick to laugh about their faults and their weaknesses. They're quick to laugh. They have, um, not because they don't take their faults and their weaknesses seriously. I have a friend. It's not people who don't take their faults and weaknesses seriously, but people are willing to have a lighthearted sense of themselves. They, uh, they're humble. Right, we'll, we'll wait for our friend to find his... That's right, yes, yes. So, humility. These... These these humble lives that we have an, an honest sense of ourselves, a sober view of ourselves before God and before one another. And this is the sense in, in, in verses 3, 3 through 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and what Matthew is doing is he's taking this word poor, which was used for those who were materially poor, and it was really about being afflicted, afflicted, um, by the challenging world around them. That's what the poor were. And it's taking that, that material poverty, and Matthew's showing that, that that material poverty can go all the way in to our inner lives. Being poor in spirit. Again, people who, humble people who are aware of their neediness, their brokenness. This is what it means to be humble before God. Now, it's not just about being humble before God. is isn't just about having a sort of static, low view of ourselves. We have blessed are the poor in spirit, but then in verse, um, in verse 6, we have blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Humility before God is it's having this right view of ourselves, but it's also having a longing, a wanting, for something more. It's about a sort of holy dissatisfaction with maybe things in our lives or even the way the world is around us. It's this longing, this wanting for something better. So these humble lives, it's, it's humbly seeking after God. That's this vision of humble people before God, not just satisfied with the way things are, aware of the way things are, realistic about our own lives, but longing for more, wanting things to change. This, this humble life with God, it's about being invited into a journey of transformation with God. That's what this humble life is. It's, it's having that certain sense of awareness of self and yet longing and wanting for transformation. That's the vision of the humble life with God. Isn't it true that the, the people that we, that we love to be around are people that want to learn? 
that are curious about others and the world around them. Um, people that want to grow. Those are the types of people we want to be around who give to us and don't take away. These, as I've been thinking about this week, I'm reminded of a conversation that Julie and I were having about how, um, just how blessed and um, filled we've been by, we've been spending some time in um, the Alpha group and in growing together. And we have just been so struck by the, the humility, the lack of pretense, um, the genuine desire of so many people to grow, to seek after God, people who are very honest about weaknesses, needs, honest about themselves, but also longing to grow poor in spirit, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Um, Sarah and, and Debbie and Jeff and um, Kathleen, all these people that for Julie and I have helped us to let our guard down a little bit, be more honest about ourselves, and also kind of reinvigorate that desire to continue to grow in our journey with God, with one another. That's the vision of the humble life before God that the Beatitudes are calling us into. Honest, sober views of ourselves, but, but not um, pushing away our longings and our desires for transformation, for growth. And the flip side of this humble seeking after God, this humble longing for something more, longing for that better good life. The opposite of that humility is pride. It's pride. Um, these, the Beatitudes are not just describing this humble life. They're, they're also intentionally being very provocative to call out the prideful, the, the people who think that they have their lives all together, who have papered over their brokenness, who are putting up a facade, uh, the prideful who think that they don't need God, who think that they don't need others, but who end up actually using others, um, manipulating others, to create this false world uh, that they've built around themselves. Jesus is in these very provocative uh, um, descriptions, which in many ways, if you read these Beatitudes and you think of a blessed, flourishing, happy life, the poor in spirit, people who mourn, the meek, people who are persecuted, that doesn't sound like a very good life. But again, Jesus is also, he's calling out the proud, the people who think that they have it all together, um, and saying, no, you're, you're farther from me than you think you are. It's, it's the humble. It's the people who are humbly seeking after God, 
Those are the people who are on the inside of this flourishing life that God is inviting us into. So this, this invitation into flourishing, this, this invitation into the good life, it's built on, it, it, it begins with good relationships. First, this humble relationship with God. And then second, relationships of compassion with one another. So we'll, we'll get now into relationships of compassion with each other. The Beatitudes are, there are many ways, they're built, they're structured like the Ten Commandments, where we get the first half of the Ten Commandments are primarily about our relationship with God. And then the second, and the second part of the Ten Commandments are about how we relate with one another. And the Beatitudes are similar. We get these first few verses that are about our relationship with God. And then these, these, this last section describes our relationship with with one another. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. When it's talking about pure in heart, it's talking about people who, they're people of integrity, who what they show on the outside is similar to what's going on inside. It's the opposite of the pride of the proud people who try to give off an external show of goodness but don't have it in their hearts. The pure, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So, the good life, the flourishing life, it starts also in these relationships of compassion. Relationships where we know our needs, we know our vulnerabilities, and we also see the vulnerabilities and the needs of others around us, and we give in mercy, in love, in compassion. There, there are these relationships of both giving, of serving, but also receiving. Giving, relationships of giving and receiving, these, are, these relationships, they're, they're the center of what it means to be a flourishing people. It's at the center of God's call in to a flourishing life. And this can happen in, this can begin in many small ways. In making a sandwich for someone who's hungry. Um, listening to a friend who is struggling. It could be if, if you're in middle school, it could be inviting that new student into that study group with you. Lives of compassion, of mercy, of giving, and then it can expand outward into our relationships and working for um, peace and justice in, in our community, in our world. Um, and these, this, this call to work for justice and for, for equity, um, it's, it's not just a call to help people live sort of isolated, happy lives. The, the Christian vision of flourishing is about reconciled, restored relationships, where um, we live our lives in, sh in, in, in bonds of shared love between one another. That's, that's the Christian vision of the flourishing life. It's about good relationships. These relationships of, of giving, of serving, and also of receiving, 
and welcoming others' love and care into our own lives. Isn't it true that we often experience a certain depth of love and joy in relationships when we experience those relationships as we go through hard times together, when it, maybe it's a relationship with a spouse, a relationship with a friend, uh, a relationship with a parent, that, that love that's given in the midst of hardship, love that's shared in the midst of a fragile and fragmented world, that's often when we experience that's often when we experience the deepest joy in this life. I was remembering um, in, in 2009, I, I spent some time walking the Camino de Santiago, the, the Way of St. James, which is this ancient pilgrimage route, um, most of which goes through the north of Spain. And it's traveled by hundreds of thousands of people every year. Um, religious people, non-religious people, seekers, devout people. Um, and mo everybody, most people start the journey um, alone, but over time, people start to join together and walk, uh, walk the pilgrimage route together with people they hadn't met before. And most people who walk the, the, the route for a longer period of time often have a deeper reason why they're there. I had been I had been on the route for for a few days, and I met this uh, this group of three, two French women uh, and a man, an Italian man in their middle age, um, and they had all started the journey separately, um, but over time they'd spent the last week walking the route together, and they they um, they called themselves the Three Musketeers. And this is totally cheesy, but I loved it. After I was with them for a few days, they started calling me D'Artagnan. Which, uh, yeah, totally cheesy, um, but also with that nice, when they would say it with this nice, strong French accent, it just, it, it was so much fun. So, um, so we started, I started walking with them. Um, and over time, I got to know their stories a little bit. Um, one of the women that past year, her boyfriend had died of cancer. And she was walking the same route that she had walked with him the year before. The Italian man, he had just lost his job. And he was searching for what was next for him in life. And our conversations, they were filled with laughter. We had deep conversations. There were tears shared at times. Sometimes it was just walking in silence together, alone with our thoughts. And I remember there wasn't a single day that I walked where I didn't have some sort of physical pain because you walk 20 miles every day. Um, there wasn't a day without some sort of physical pain. But my heart the whole time, it was full. This, the, the good life that God is calling us to, the good life, is about walking the right path together. Not the, not the easy path, 
but the good path, but the right path, the the good life that God is calling us into. It's about walking the right path together with one another, with one another in these these shared relationships of compassion, of of mutual self giving and receiving. That's this good life that the Beatitudes are are calling us into. And then what what do we do with these tricky last verses about blessed are those who are persecuted? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Being persecuted doesn't sound like a flourishing life. And again, some of this is, is to call out the proud who, uh, who avoid um, any suffering and struggle in this life. But we also have to remember that that good always is going to chafe against evil. Entering into the good life that God calls us to. Um, entering to, into lives that are humbly seeking after and humbly hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Um, lives that are being uh, transformed inwardly and are transforming the world around it. Uh, these lives are going to push against the evil and the brokenness in this world. These living into this call that God has to, to, to live lives of compassion and to be peacemakers. Peacemakers, what do they do? They, they break up divisions. People who are merciful, who are compassionate, they create new relationships. And what this does is this, this, this upsets the status quo in our world that, that is prone towards uh, division, uh, that's prone towards uh, walling ourselves off from one another and walling ourselves off from God. It's, this can happen in very small ways. Um, if, um, if you're in school and if you invite that, that new kid, maybe just for a day, into your group of friends, you invite that new kid into, into your group of friends at school and your best friend gets jealous and kind of lashes out and maybe even thinks about kicking you and your new friend out of the group. Good always meddles with the broken systems in our world. It meddles with the broken relationships. And that's some of what Jesus is getting at here when he's talking about blessed are the persecuted. This flourishing life that he's calling us into, uh, this life of wholeness, it, it, it it messes with the brokenness around us and within us. We also have to remember that the one who is speaking about this blessed life that includes persecution, the, the one who is uh, calling us into this type of life, is the only person across the entire Gospel of Matthew and, and the only person across all of human history who is, who is perfectly embodied this life of blessedness and of flourishing in the Beatitudes. 
Jesus is the only one who, who embodied this way from beginning to end. And so when we enter into this life, we're not doing it alone. No, we, we have Jesus who has, um, who has started the journey, who has blazed the trail before us. We have Jesus who, um, who not only embodies this way, but, but who knows the depths of what this way entails. And he's calling us to, to just follow him and trust him down this way. And this is, what, this is part of what it means to have faith in Jesus, to trust Jesus, to believe in Jesus, is to believe that this way that he paved for us is the best way, that it's the good way. I want to close by going back to the beginning. And I want to ask you, what are you dissatisfied with in your life? What are you dissatisfied with in your life? Maybe about yourself, maybe about your circumstance. What are you dissatisfied with? What are you longing for in this life? What do you want? To ask that ancient question, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? The beauty of the Beatitudes is that they are an invitation to those who are dissatisfied. It's an invitation to people who are humble and who long for and thirst for righteousness, for goodness. And my prayer is that what you are longing for, your dissatisfactions, what you're seeking, would, would, would meet up with God's invitation into this very unexpected life of flourishing and wholeness. This, this life of flourishing that has, at its beginning, these good relationships that we walk the journey with, humble relationship with God, compassionate relationships with each other. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you invite us, that you invite us onto a road that you know um, even better than we do. You invite us into this journey, this way of wholeness and flourishing. And we ask that you would give us comfort and peace and wholeness as we respond to this invitation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.